0: And the drawing challenge today really is a challenge because it involves perspective. I'd love you, please, to draw someone. You can do this in your mind's eye if you want. I don't know how the whole church is feeling about drawing today. Someone looking down over the top of a well. And then in the next panel, i love you to, look, to draw someone looking up from the bottom. Looking up from the bottom, see if you can draw those two things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the range of emotion and human experience that you recall for us in the songs of the church, the Psalms. And thank you that these are the hymn book of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we see that he truly feels for all our sadness and shares in our gladness. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. A week or so ago, I heard from a friend of mine in Chesham, my parish where I was before I came here. Uh, He was talking about his son and his grandson. Uh, Some of you might know Michael Green. Uh, He's an author who wrote a while ago. This is actually his son and then Michael Green's grandson and then Michael Green's great-grandson, if that helps you. Uh, I actually went to university with the third of those fourth generations. He's a man called David. David. He's the treasurer at one of the churches in the seven church parish that I was part of. The news was that uh, my friend, uh, similar age to me, slightly younger, had said goodnight to his two, nearly three-year-old son that night, had come in in the morning and discovered that he had died in the night. Uh, This man uh, is called David and his son is called Sam and the funeral is going to be later. And the reason that I want to begin in such a sad place is because that is the reality for a huge number of those here and a huge number of the people that we love, and perhaps some that we're thinking particularly about at this moment. The Bible does not give us fluffy rainbow unicorns and beautiful, wonderful, glorious things all the time. It doesn't say you better wear a smile when you come to church. And it doesn't say you have to always be cheerful and skipping around all the time. The Bible acknowledges nights of darkness, like that night for Sam. And the morning that doesn't seem to bring any cheer. The first section of this psalm is simply that life sometimes feels like death. Life sometimes feels like death we look through the psalm we see that this son of Korah describes his life as full of troubles and actually there is a spiritual dimension to the way he sees his circumstances in saying that it's as if the thing that he fears after the grave has actually crossed over into the realm of his daily experience. He is breathing but he might as well not be that's the feeling that he has. Verse four, I'm as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. Verse five is actually talking in a more mysterious way than the translation we have in front of us appears, because the Hebrew conception of the grave was like a place. It was somehow the existence of people who've died continue, but Barely. If any of you know the stories of the Odyssey uh, or of the Greek myths, when people visit Hades uh, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, the word Hades is used here, and it is both a god, a kind of spiritual being who is responsible for that realm of the dead, equated in Christian Christian theology sort of with the devil, but not really. But much more, it's like a personification of the whole idea of darkness, shadow, mystery that surrounds death. It's not just talking about the physical side of it, which is what we often focus on with our medicalized and materialist society. It's much more talking about the sort of poetic but mysterious, you know, the Grim Reaper kind of idea, this notion that at any point our life could be cut short and we would be left in darkness and shadow. And he's using all that imagery, that sense of the kind of fear we have typified really in horror films and all that kind of stuff in indiana jones even when suddenly there's a jump scare he's rooting around in a temple suddenly and then a skeleton appears and you're all supposed to jump that that's the kind of atmosphere it's what is this mysterious thing that awaits us at some point and we don't really understand shrouded in mystery and causing terrible grief when we're living and experiencing it but completely mysterious when we have to experience it ourselves. And he's saying that all that is encroaching on what should be good and enjoyable and life-giving now. There's a reason that this psalm has been often referred to by Christians as an accurate description of depression. I don't know if that is a situation that you've experienced yourself or may even be in now. But it's so important as we read this psalm to notice the Bible is not unrealistic about that. It doesn't sugarcoat how our experiences can become dark and difficult. But the thing that perhaps is most troubling for us as we read these first few verses is that the psalmist lays the situation at God's feet. He says, you've done this. He says, the reason that I'm feeling like this is because you have made a decision he doesn't blame himself. There's no record here of him having done anything evil, particularly. This isn't a response of punishment. This isn't people getting what their actions naturally lead to the kind of comeuppance of the villain at the end of a film. This is someone who, as far as possible, is constantly calling out to God. And yet, this is their experience. The very first thing we need to look at when we look at this psalm, the thing that you may not expect to hear in church, but it is important that we acknowledge, is sometimes life feels like death. Verse 1, verse 10 to 19. Jesus' burial gives the pit a bottom. Jesus' burial gives the pit a bottom. It is striking how the psalm begins. The situation is as we have described. It is as dark as it could possibly be. It is the way that we have felt sometimes, and we hope we won't feel again. And yet, this son of Korah begins his prayer O Lord God of my salvation, the one who saves me. It hasn't happened, it doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. But still, that's where his eyes begin, this prayer. And actually, there are hints, even as this psalm ends with darkness, that along the way, there are these glimmers of light. If you can picture absolute darkness and the first flicker of light, even if it goes out again in a moment, how immediately that changes the situation. It gives us some perspective, some possibility that the situation as it is now is not going to last forever. That is what we discover in the centre of this psalm. So there's one thing in verse 14 and 13. It isn't quite as clearly spoken in the translation we have here, perhaps because they didn't, they sort of thought, well, the whole thing is sort of dark, so it must be dark. But actually, verse 13 says that the cry will come before God. And, and notice how far away that is from actually the situation changing. The psalmist is not saying everything is going to be alright imminently. It's not saying, Oh, I feel peaceful and everything is great now. He's just saying, God has heard me. Often that is all we can get hold of. That is all our friends that we pray for can get hold of, that at least their prayer has been heard. But actually, the questions leading up to that confidence that his prayer has been heard, have this wonderful inversion of the darkness. It, it, it's not gone, that the moment of triumph and victory has not arrived. And yet every single one of these questions, these rhetorical questions, shows that if God is as He truly is, as the psalmist believes He is, then this situation cannot continue. However impossible it is for us to see how it could ever change. The situation cannot continue. So let's just look at these questions. Verse 10, let's start there. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? If the answer to those questions is no, then the living God has staked his reputation on making sure that those who cry to him do not stay in the shadow of death, that the grave does not swallow them up so that they are never seen again. The reason that death is so abhorrent to us is because it marks total separation from the God who made us. Even people who don't believe in God actually are experiencing that. Darkness is defined in the Bible as the absence of the living Lord God, Jesus, the light of the world. It's not just a physical phenomenon. It's not a material phenomenon. It's not an evolutionary thing that kicks in to try and preserve our survival, that we still hate death, even though every single human, bar, I believe, three, have gone through it? Why haven't we got used to it by now? Why, Why is this still the wrong thing in our experience? Why do we feel when we are depressed and can't see any hope, like there is still hope that exists somewhere? This answers the question. Even at the very bottom even at the worst bit. There is a bottom. It doesn't keep going down. There is a place upon which we stand and think, well, eventually this is going to change. Jesus has placed utter bedrock at that descent that we feel. I mean, even if our feet can't feel it, the reason our feet can't feel it is because actually he's not going to let us go all the way down. And there's another hint at why this can be true. This is verse, let's see. Again, the translation isn't great, so I need to look at mine. Yeah, verse 10. No, verse nine, sorry. Uh, I lift up my hands to you for mercy. It is not I lift up my hands. It is I stretch out my hands. The psalmist is looking ahead to a time where Jesus stretches out his hands and actually plums the abyss for us. He goes as low as it is possible to go. He even goes into Hades. That's what we say in the creed. He descended into Hades, into the dead. However low we fear getting or perhaps are feeling at this moment, this psalm proclaims that Jesus has gone lower the very lowest. Though he is high as is possible to be in the glory of the Father, this psalm says, I have gone as low as it is possible to go so that all the levels upwards from it can be redeemed and turned into something that brings salvation. That's why we began with that reading from the sons of Korah. The picture of the earth opening and swallowing these people up is designed to be the absolute lowest. It's, this is Hades opening up and swallowing life. And Korah brought it on himself. You can read it in number 16. But we get this detail a long time after the actual record of the event in a genealogy. I wondered what you felt when Catherine started reading names. You thought, all right, here we go. Well, no, that verse, it, it simply says the line of Korah did not die out. So you look at a situation that could not be worse. You have people literally falling into the belly of the earth, being taken down alive into the grave. And it very specifically says all of Korah's family were there with him. So the ground gave way under them and they were falling. And then we have this psalm, perhaps written by someone who remembers what that was like. And he's here to tell the tale. All it took was, Lord, save me. that I can't feel the bottom and I'm falling. Lord, save me. I don't know how. I don't know how you possibly can. There's no way out that I can see. And yet here he is saying, the Lord God of my salvation got me out of that. That story is given in the scriptures to show that no one is ever beyond the reach of this unfathomable Lord Jesus Christ. However low we fear we're going to go, he's gone lower and he is able to come underneath us and take us back up again. And all of us know that when we are in that very dark place, it's very hard to recognise the thing that turns it around. If you'll forgive me for this, I'm not at all being flippant. I read um, a blog a while ago. It was someone describing the experience of being depressed, of feeling depressed. And for some reason, they were lying on their kitchen floor. And they happened to chance under a fridge, uh, a tiny squashed pea under the fridge. And for some reason, this sight was absolutely hilarious to them. <laughs> and, and I can't... You need to read what they were saying. It's, it's this sense of... Here, uh, suddenly, they had a different view of everything, just turning around from that little idiosyncratic observation... Um, I, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Pippi and I sometimes say to each other when for various reasons we're feeling sad, uh, that all we are is a little squashed pea on the ground. <laughs> and that often just is enough to switch, to switch it around. Nothing's changed about the situation. Nothing's changed. But it now feels like we're looking upwards rather than looking downwards. That is what this psalm is for. And that is what Jesus being buried in the tomb is for. To say that there can be that flip. The difference between before and after it is almost nothing. It feels just as dark as it did before. But the flip has happened. And the guarantee for each of us, whatever darkness we face, is the flip has happened. I want to tell you something more about Sam. The night before he died, he pointed at a picture of a cross and said, Jesus is Lord. And when his dad was going to read the Bible to him, he wouldn't let him read anything except the story about the resurrection. (laughs) So he's with Jesus now. He's with Jesus now. And we're left in the pit in the darkness. But he's with Jesus That's what we're doing now. We're remembering death. We're remembering a guy who died at the absolute bottom of a pit. And we're receiving it into ourselves as the guarantee of our eternal life. That is what Christianity is about. There is no darkness that can overcome us because Jesus has gone lower and has gone as high as it's possible to go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please, whatever darkness lies ahead of us, would you give us that view from the bottom that looks upward to eternal life, eternal glory, eternal ascent, as high as it's possible to go, seated with Jesus at your right hand. And we pray that particularly for others for whom it is often so much harder to watch on the outside, feeling powerless. When we have felt it ourselves, Heavenly Father, would you meet us and visit us and save us? But particularly, would you visit and save those people we think of now? In Jesus Christ's name, amen.